0: Welcome to the My Buddy Green Podcast. I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hi there, Jason, your host here, and I am so excited to announce that we are partnering with Bose to bring you another special episode of the Mind Buddy Green Podcast, focused on the importance of sleep. My Buddy Green and Bose share a belief that a good night's rest is as essential for your mind and body as your daily diet and movement. And we're uniting in our mission to optimize the quality of our sleep and learn from our unconscious experiences in the process. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that health is about more than what goes on during the waking hours. Our minds at rest can tell us a great deal about ourselves, dreams included. Join us for the second Project Sleep episode featuring renowned author, teacher, psychotherapist, and dream expert, Dr. Leslie Ellis. We're going to talk All Things Dreaming, and listen in mid-episode to learn about how Bose's innovative sleep buds can help support your sleep. Leslie, welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So your work is fascinating. We all sleep. We all dream, although we're going to get into the we all dream part in a bit because some people will say, my wife included, I don't dream. So can you walk us through what exactly you do and, and the why behind dream therapy
1: okay exactly what I do is kind of hard to pin down because I'm doing a lot of different things but they are pretty much all related to dreams so I do dream therapy that is a a, a small aspect of what I do and I'll get into the why of it I'll describe what else I'm doing as well I, I wrote a book about dream work for therapists I finished it just last year. And so I teach therapists how to do dream work. And because of COVID, everything's been moved online. So I've started an online course system for therapists, which wasn't always in my plan. So there's there's all of that. That's a project, I would say. And I still do some dream research and I lead dream groups. And so there, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to what I do. But with dream therapy, I have been a therapist for 20 years, more than 20 years, and I think dreams are probably the most, um, if I had to pick one single tool that helps me in that work, it would be dreams because they, oh, there's so many reasons, but I would say one of the main reasons is that people come to therapy when they're stuck first, stuck on something they can't figure out for themselves or their emotions are overwhelming them or something just feels like it's too much, and they've gone probably around the same circles many times before they come to see me because people don't think about going to therapy usually until they're somewhat desperate, I would say. And the dreams that they bring, if they do have dreams about their what's going on in their lives, there always is some different take, like a, a way of talking about the issues that will um, be completely New instead of going around uh, what happens often in therapy is people will go around the same circles and they'll have a sort of a problem saturated way of talking about it. And I feel like the dreams give you a whole nother way to see things and they're always some way forward in a dream. They're not always obvious the solutions in dreams, but it just feels like a creative take and it's coming directly from the person themselves. So because I'm just usually very, like I don't have a deep, intimate understanding of their life history and where they've been. So it's really hard for me to say much about what, they, what they're what they asking. And so the dreams have a way of pulling uh, information from their entire life. And so if I can kind of walk into dreams and ask questions about those, I get a a very detailed, very personal look and it's always unexpected so it makes it really fun as well fun for the client too
0: so th- there's so much to unpack there i'll start with how can the average person listening right now start to better understand their dreams and you know what does that process look like in terms of the practices whether it's writing them down whether it's just in general i'm listening I dream how what can I learn from my dreams and and where should I start
1: so if you are brand new to the practice I'll start at the very beginning then the first thing is that you have to be able to recall your dreams and he said some people say they don't dream at all and it's not true it's we all dream In REM sleep, we have about two hours worth of REM sleep every night. And and it used to be thought that was where we did all our dreaming. So we had at least two hours of dreaming every night. But now it's looking like we actually dream in non-REM too. It's just a different kind of dreaming. And that we could also have a version of dreaming that happens while we're awake. So there's at least two hours of what we consider sort of typical dreaming every night for everyone. It's just that we don't recall very much of that. We tend to only recall the, the, the crossover between sleeping and waking. So if we are starting to wake up in the middle of a dream, um, it's like the tape recorder isn't really switched on. Our, our memory processes aren't working when we're dreaming the same way, not very effective at all. So unless we wake up in our dreams, like if you're a lucid dreamer, you just don't remember. So the first thing is remembering, and because you can't work with a dream that you don't recall. And so I always say the best time to remember a dream is that sleep-wake transition because you're still in dreaming, but you're still awake enough to remember something. And so if you kind of slow that process down and lie really still and kind of when you're first aware of waking up, think about what you were just dreaming about. You will have been dreaming. Usually our dream periods are concentrated in the m- toward the morning. So it's a good, if you catch your dreams... While they're still there, then you're just more likely to grab something from your from your dreams. And I mean, this is a massive question because there's then when you have the dream, there, is that does that answer, answer? Well, that
0: what so do you? Far? So I remember this was like probably ten or about ten years ago. I remember I had a a dream symbolism dictionary, and I, I had a practice where I would dream. And I, then if I remembered it, I go to the dictionary. I would say, what does that mean? Sometimes it would be illuminating. Other times I would say this made no sense. And then I would find myself searching for what are the most common dreams? What what, what does flying mean? What does free falling mean? What does, you know, so I'm curious. This is a a big question, I guess, multiple questions. Talk a little bit about dream symbolism, because I know that we're all, individuals (laughs) individuals <laughs> and it's hard to generalize but if you can generalize about symbolism what does one take away from dream symbolism like there are a couple maybe flying or falling for example and, and i'm also curious in terms of symbolism and dreams like in the context of covid what, what are you seeing a lot of today
1: okay yes well uh first of all i would say that i tend to not to use dream dictionaries. So if you have a dream and you're trying to um, decipher it, so you've got as far as remembering it and writing it down, then the best thing to do is to re-enter it or re-experience it or really um, try to pull out what are the most prevalent emotions or the way that the dream is structured. So you could look at it as a metaphor for something that you're feeling. That's a really a uh, good place to start one of my uh, favorite dream researchers ernest hartman said that dreams are picture metaphors of emotion so if he used the example of a tidal wave after a trauma that the tidal wave represents this overwhelming emotion and so you can try that first because uh, what i think is that symbol dictionaries are too generalized and i feel like they're right they're wrong as often as they're right and we do have some common human experiences so there will be some ways that all of us will relate to say we dream about our mother that there'll be certain common experiences but I think we have more uh, variation in those than or the variations are what matter or or what are meaningful to us and it's like an example if I dreamt about horses I would have all kinds of wonderful associations because I've been a, a horse lover and rider for most of my life. Whereas if someone's terrified of horses and they dream of horses, it's just not going to mean the same thing. So your own personal associations and what what the dream feels like it means to you. Maybe you can enter into a dreamscape and look around. Maybe you can talk to the dream characters. Like I feel like an experiential relationship with your dreams is how you unpack them. And it's a skill that some people can do quite naturally. But this is what I do when I'm doing dream therapy with people is I I teach them how to re-experience their dreams and enter into various pieces of their dreams to understand them from the inside.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair point on... uh symbolism for example i'm an entrepreneur i i I dream quite often about climbing a hill i'm like okay metaphorical like makes sense i feel like i'm always climbing the hill keeps on getting steeper there are some days that hill feels very steep and other days maybe not so steep i get it and then i have other dreams where can't necessarily make sense i'm curious so there's also collective trauma and trauma is stored in the often stored in the body What's your experience in trauma showing up in dreams and Using the tools you have to help people Deal with trauma through through dream work if you will
1: So yeah, so there are first of all there are are two kinds of nightmares related to trauma And one is the classic, what they call uh, PTSD nightmare. And these ones are really dreams that people have over and over again that repeat their trauma memory almost exactly and don't change. And so war veterans, first responders may have these for, for sometimes decades, sometimes their entire lives. And so they feel like there's nothing they can do about these dreams. But in fact, there's for some people a pretty simple treatment and that is just to go into the nightmare in the place where it stops. It tends to stop right at the scariest place because I think that the fear gets so so intense that the dreamer just wakes up and if they imagine that the dream continues and imagine it forward and then kind of rehearse that in their mind, then what I think happens is that the next time they have that dream, the dream has somewhere to go because a lot of times people will stop having that dream or the dream will change. And with it, their PTSD symptoms will also lift. So it's a really effective and simple way. And it, it doesn't work for everybody. But when it does work, it, it works quite well. And when it doesn't seem to hurt. So it's something to try. And I even have a little a clip on my website just describing for anybody who's interested, just to... How to do that, how to continue your nightmare so that you can maybe prevent it from happening again. And then there's like the other kind of nightmares which are more related to trauma that, that lives in the body that may not relate to a single incident or may not come in this recurrent way. But they feel they've got the the fear and the intensity of really uncomfortable dreams and I feel like a lot of times those dreams are about trauma that people don't recall or that may have happened in early childhood or just in some way uh, metaphorically represent their trauma. And, and that those kind of dreams are really useful to to spend time with, to take the charge away, and they will... They will um, enable you to work with the trauma from a sort of a distance, so you're not actually diving into the story again, but you're you are working through the feelings, and so that's sort of a longer term way of working with trauma. And there's lots more I could say about it, but I mean that's kind of a short version of a, of a bigger answer.
0: So, in terms of dream interpretation this idea of making our dreams work for us what are we still getting wrong like how has the field evolved and it, to me when i think of you know personal development doing the work a lot of us want to become the best version of ourselves deal with our issues and crap dreams don't necessarily are they're not the front of the line in terms of like working through our issues, working through our stuff. Well, wh- why do you think that is? And just wh- why doesn't it get why doesn't it get the attention? How has the field changed? And, and just how do we make our dreams work for us?
1: So I think one of the reasons that dreams get kind of short shrift is that when people have dreams, their initial take is kind of Sometimes it's, wow, that was amazing. I should really I should really do something with this dream because I felt transported and it felt important. But a lot of times the response is, well, that was just a whole bunch of strangeness and doesn't mean anything. And I, I think that if you have that latter attitude toward dreams where you don't really see them as useful or making any sense, then you're going to dismiss them too readily, which I think a lot of people do. And... Then there's like the notions from like Freud and Freud in particular, where everything is a sexual metaphor. And I think he's had a lot of, uh, you know, turned a lot of people off of working with dreams because he would, you know, really just interpret them down one track and say that as the dream worker, he was the one who you send him his dream, he would tell you what it means. And so, unless you had some special knowledge, you couldn't really make sense of your dreams. And so, What's happened now is that people are realizing that the dreamer can actually really say what their dream means because the, the symbolism and the, the metaphors are personal to them and their lives and their emotional landscape. So um, there is an updating that needs to happen, I think, in people's minds, that dreams are not beyond our ability to understand. But we just kind of have to look at them, I guess, with an open mind and we can tend to be quick to dismiss them. Dreams tend to be about things that we repress or that are uncomfortable or that are just below the surface. So there's probably some inkling we have of, oh, that's really interesting, but maybe I don't want to go there because they are they challenge us in, in some ways. So there's, I think, a natural aversion a little bit. And then if we do decide uh, that we want to work with our dreams there's a particular way of understanding them that it doesn't follow uh, traditional logic and dreams have their own kind of logic and it's more, I don't know if you want to look at it like a more like a right hemisphere sort of artistic uh, metaphorical way of seeing things but in, you can't interpret them with the same logic you would during the day. So it's, it's a way of of entering the emotion that I think is maybe a key And there's also more information now about what happens when we're dreaming and why we dream. And it helps us maybe see why they're important. And that's not very well disseminated, that information. Um, They're finding that dreams are implicated in consolidating our memories and storing them in a way that, that what's important is accessed in relation to other things that are related to it. Our dreams tend to take the really heightened emotion that we feel during the day and, and and dampen it down or calm it down. So there's a way that dreams are helping us regulate our emotions. And if we pay attention to them, we can use what dreams are doing and enhance it. And so there's lots of really good reasons to work with dreams. It's just that it I think people that once they start, I would say, once people start getting handle on their dreams and exploring them and feeling what their benefits are, then they're converted and and they get very keen on it. But at first it just seems like they're crazy nonsensical and what's the point of doing it? So I think until you experience an aha moment from a dream, you might be biased against your dreams.
0: So how common are recurring themes in dreams? So I'm going to for example, let's say, I don't even know what this true, but I'm curious what the number is. Let's say we have 10 dreams a night. We remember two and one of them is new and nonsensical. And one is like a theme that we, we see a lot. So I'm curious, can we just start with the number? Like, what is the average person? How many dreams do we dream? I'm curious how long do they last how many and then how many do we actually remember and how many like of the the concepts like how i know it's hard to generalize but how many are sort of recurring concepts for people
1: so we don't really know how many dreams we have we know that we have four or five rem periods per night and that we our dreams are concentrated in those periods but that looks like we also dream outside of rem so we really We can look at people's sleep architecture and say, oh, here's their in REM and they're probably dreaming. But mostly we have to rely on what they tell us. And we only remember a fraction of what we dream. So it's really hard to quantify. But it is true that we do dream uh, similar themes in our dreaming life. And what it looks like is that we have those themes run through our entire life, that our dreams... Um, we'll carry on with these same themes throughout our lifetime. They're different for every person, but we do ha- tend to dream about similar kinds of things. And we'll even have sometimes, I've seen this in my dreams, where I'll have a particular dream world that I go to again and again, where there's the landscape is kind of the same and the, the things that happen there. And so that's really common, actually, to have familiar things repeat in our dreams.
0: So, So it's common.
1: Mm -hmm. So like,
0: I don't know. I'll be the the guinea pig for everyone. So I'm 46. I played basketball through college and I, what are my recurring dreams? At least the ones I remember late for practice or I, I get, I get that a lot late for practice. And I also get Showing up to an exam and was totally unprepared, didn't know it was happening. Like all of a sudden there was a final or exam or like not going to graduate. And like the reality is like those things were real concerns for me back in the day. (laughs) But I'm like, is this just my punishment for not being as uh, studious as I should have been in, in college? Or is there something? But I... Those are the two that I always, and then the climbing metaphor I get a lot being an entrepreneur. I definitely have that every once in a while. I'm like, I'm on it. I'm just climbing. <laughs> I'm just climbing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the unprepared for an exam is really a classic anxiety dream. I think almost everyone has a version of that. Usually you're naked too. Yeah, I get that.
0: I get that too. not
1: studied all semester and there you are the exam and or the alternative being on a stage naked having to give a speech and you haven't prepared and there's everybody it's really um, a common dream motif and then I think you can generalize and say okay there's something that you're not feeling prepared for probably that emotion carries through into your um, current life and it pulls on your, it has this whole palette of memories to pick from, so it'll just pick one where maybe that feeling was most acute and go, yeah, this is like this. And the question to ask of a dream like that is, well, what in, in my life right now feels like that? It's not punishment, it's more like, ah, there's something maybe that you're not quite feeling prepared for in, in your current situation. And then there'll be all kinds of details in your dream that will help you tease it out in you know more more detail than that. And so I think that like I unpacked a dream like that as uh, I think I've got a blog post about it. And I went into detail about this classic anxiety dream. And for this person, it there was a lot more to it than that. And the dream details were helpful in, oh, here's what I can do about feeling unprepared or not feeling. Like I'm up to up to speed here, not feeling like I'm doing this well enough, things like that. And so I feel like even that very classic dream has nuances to it that you can that can help not just go, well, yeah, yep, I can totally see why I'm having that dream. But we'll also give you maybe some ideas about what to do about it. So.
0: Is it just me, but those couple of recurring dreams that I have late to practice or not prepared seem to be around a specific period in my life, high school, college. Is Mm -hmm. that, and I'm 46, I'm like, Mm -hmm. can I let this go? Or does that, is there something interesting about the time periods that, that tend to show up in our dreams, in our lives, whether it's childhood teenage years, adult, or is there, it doesn't matter. I'm curious.
1: I I can't say that I'm sure about that. I just know that a lot of dreams do refer back to adolescence in particular. And I wonder if it's because that's when those feelings that, that your, you know, your dreams associating to just were the most intense it's not that you haven't recovered from your adolescence, more that- um, <laughs> I sure, uh, <laughs> I sure hope <laughs> <well>, so. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, maybe you haven't. But I think um, just that the, the way our memories work is that they're, they're sort of networks of associations. And so if you have a feeling um, of, You know, just awkward, unprepared. That you probably had that more intensely in adolescence. I think most people feel things more intensely in, and so this current dream is referring to that feeling. And it will kind of maybe scan what's available and go, ah, here's a here's a good example. It will the memory will go into that network, and so the dream will activate those places, and so it will link what's happening now with a web of similarity, similar things. And it does seem to pick up a lot of things from adolescence. I think it picks up the things that we felt most intensely is my guess about it. Nobody
0: knows for sure. Sure. It makes sense. It makes sense. So I love the notion that our dream life, our dream lives don't follow the same quote unquote rules as the waking hours, so I love that from you. Can you talk a little bit about that? And are there scenarios where fantasies, dreams, should become reality if they're occupying so much of our dream space?
1: Okay, let me t- let me start with the first part because I, I feel like that's an easier thing to answer. So I think so. What happens? And look at they can look at the dreaming brain, and what happens is that basically our prefrontal cortex, our executive functioning, our logical functioning, that's sleeping, and the what's awake and dreaming is more of a, our visual visual cortex that is working, and some of our uh, emotional system gets more activated than when we're uh, awake. So we have we dream in emotional pictures, without a lot of. Ability to time and logic, and you don't know, do a lot of arithmetic in our dreams. So, so there's this whole emotional life that's it's also a very hyper associative um, state. So things that are linked will be put together, and things th- dreams seem to replay in part what's happened during the recent day, and also maybe five or six days ago. It'll pick up these. Things that seem important to remember, and it looks like they're sorting them into our web of memories, and but they're linked in these loose ways. And so, if we have, say, a memory from today, and our dream wants to say, "Well, we should remember this person because they're important enough, got a charge and a a reaction from us," so they got a reaction from us. Then the person might show up in our dream, but not the context, not the not that you were in a cafe. They might put you in a, a whole different scene. Dreams will piece together stuff from different times and places and only pick out just what they dream whatever makes your dreams considers the salient bits and so it looks it looks bizarre but there's a sense to it that that is like if you were drawing maybe mind maps or like drawing associations your dream can jump from one thing to another it can it's like when you're daydreaming if you let your mind wander it's kind of similar to that state where your mind can go oh i was thinking about my this great meal i just had and then i remember this time we had dinner at that great place in you know italy and then i remember riding my bike like it will you know how your mind can do that it, it's like dreaming is like that but on steroids if that helps <laughs> no
0: that's so you mentioned daydreaming can we use is daydreaming an effective tool for expanding our mind and you know tapping into our consciousness? Like are we not talking about daydreaming tends to have this negative connotation Like should, should we be focused on daydreaming?
1: Yes, I believe so. I think um, daydreaming has as has to be distinguished from fantasizing. So sitting there and imagining winning the Olympics or some some great thing that you just imagine doing and making it up is one thing that is sort of directed by your ego, and that's not the same, but daydreaming where you're truly letting your mind wander is very much like dreaming, and in fact, for people that don't remember dreams, you can use daydreams kind of in the same way. If you let your dreams have a little bit of autonomy, uh, like they would when you're sleeping, it's, it's hard to tell those daydreams from night dreams, And it's what I do when I work with dreams, is I ask people to go back into their dreams and then they'll have a, a waking dream. It'll continue, their dream will will keep playing onward or they'll be able to enter into this kind of in-between space that's really associative, but also more accessible because you're awake and can participate, can remember it. And I feel like that that is what our brains do when we're not busy doing something else. Our brain goes into this default mode, which is very like dreaming. And I feel like when we don't give it a chance to do that, what happens is I think a lot of times um, you can just, you know, when you lie in bed and your mind just keeps going, doing a bunch of jumping around, it may not have had enough time just to daydream. And so it does that sort of precursor to dreaming just before you go to sleep and there's a lot of I think intelligence in what our, our our dreaming mind is doing a lot of emotional regulation a lot of figuring out what matters and this stuff happens when we give our when we give our mind a, a break and so if we're too focused all the time I think we lose uh, some important um, skills or our time for processing things that matter
0: so Is there good dream etiquette in the same way we have good sleep etiquette, whether it's I'm going to have an electronic sundown, not watch the nightly news, have a routine. Is there good dream etiquette if we want to set ourselves up for a good night of dreaming?
1: Yes. Well, a lot of psychotropic substances can impact your dreams one way or the other. So, um, like alcohol, cannabis, certain medications can really damp down your dream life. Some some can, like melatonin, and some other substances can increase the intensity of your dreams. So there's it's just watching what you put in your body. And as for, as for letting yourself dream, I, I don't really think in that when you're asleep, you have that much control over your ability. We all dream, but your ability to recall your dreams is variable, lighter, lighter sleepers, people that meditate, people that can kind of have a, a dream going and catch it are are more likely to have rich, memorable dream lives. Th- that we're probably all having rich dream lives is true anyway, but you can't stop yourself from dreaming. You can kind of, I don't know, it's a tricky one because some things that work for some people don't work for others. And this is a notoriously just not under our control I think if you want to have dreams that you remember you do need to give yourself time to sleep and ideally you don't have to cut your sleep up in the morning that would be one thing I would suggest is that our dreams get more and more uh, concentrated in REM toward the morning our REM periods get longer and longer through the night and so the the last thing in the morning those are probably the most interesting dreams So if you want to have them, then ideally you let yourself sleep until you wake up naturally and you give yourself enough time to go through that whole sleep cycle. You don't cut your sleep cycle off at the end and you have time to wake up slowly so that your dreams are accessible to you. That's one thing I would suggest.
0: So what what do you say to the people listening who who say, I just don't dream? Like, we know it's not like, what's your advice to those people? Say, I I don't dream or I can't remember my dreams. How can we help those listeners? We got to help my wife. Uh, My wife, Colleen, says, I just don't, I don't dream. I'm like, you dream. Come on, you dream. How can we help
1: her? uh, How dedicated is she to finding her dreams? Because what people tend to do if they want to recall dreams in the sleep labs, for example, is they can tell... When somebody's in REM sleep, and they'll wake them up when they're in REM. So it's
0: just poker. Go,
1: yeah, well, <laughs> you can watch for her eye movement because under the eyelids, the, her eyes will be darting back and forth when she's in REM. And your chances are like about eighty percent that if you wake somebody up in REM, they're going to be in the middle of a dream, and if you wake them up, they'll remember it. So you, if you're really dedicated, you can interrupt your sleep, or even just wake her up early in the morning before she's awake, and she'll be in a REM very likely in a REM sleep and go, okay, were you, what were you, where were you just now? Were you dreaming? And if you catch someone in the middle of a dream, it's much more likely that they'll remember it. So
0: I'll wait Hmm. till our four-year-old wakes her up and then I will ask her the question. (laughs) I will not wake her up.
1: Yeah, I I know. Or the problem with also is that if you wake up and you immediately switch on to task mode and you, you jump, very quickly transition into your day you're not going to catch the dreams that are there they're usually they can be kind of slippery they can be kind of hard to catch if you're if you don't stay like with one foot in the dream state and so yeah if your four-year-old wakes her up she might immediately be okay what
0: (laughs) so i remember when i was much younger pre-kids pre-marriage sometimes i would be having a good dream and i wake up and i'm like oh wait this dream's so good i want to keep going Mm -hmm. i want to go back how do we you know i I go back to this notion of like having our dreams work for you and this like maybe like blurred lines between dream life and real life and how do we bring our dreams to life in in a good way take the good have those you talk about those aha moments how how do we it seems like we have this amazing tool that we're i'm still getting back to this big question of like we don't know what to do with it (laughs) at least i don't
1: (laughs) yeah so one of the things that's really helpful is i think that we're kind of blind a little bit to our own dreams we're biased we tend to dream about things that we repress, or that are like when you would call our shadow, things that we don't necessarily want to see about ourselves. The things that a really good friend will point out to you, but you're kind of like, yeah, you're right, but I. Uh, so it's hard to access your own dreams in a really honest way. I think, like I know a lot about how to work with dreams, but I'm not that great at working with my own. I can certainly write them down and start to get get a sense of them, but I would say if you really seriously want to get deeply into your dream life and engage with it, then have a partner that you would share dreams with, learn how to kind of listen in that way, or uh, a lot of people will just start a dream group. I'm involved in many dream groups, and what happens over time is that you get to know each other's dream lives, and the themes repeat, and... It's possible, you don't have to be a therapist or have special training necessarily. There's a a, a group process developed by a man named Montague Ullman that's really democratic and takes a little bit of knowledge, but it's something anybody can do. And people will meet every month and they'll share their dreams and talk about them and their dreams will follow them over a lifetime. There's a lot of really amazing things that can come from that, including you get to know how people dream and if something really shifts it can be a a warning people have had medical diagnosis diagnoses come through their dreams things like they're that are clearly saying something's wrong with your body go get this checked out and they've been life-saving in some cases so um yeah and it but it's not something like a one-off because our dreams are often like you're alluding to the themes will carry through and there's, there's a way that it's more, more like something you could think of as a relationship, not just, a, oh, I had this really great dream and I want to know what it means. I would say if you have a one-off dream, you could talk to somebody like me and I could guide you through it and you would get some insight. That would be a, a one way. But if you want to make it part of your more regular life, this working with your dreams and what they bring you, then it's kind of like having or just having a group or a dream partner and being able to regularly talk about them really helps you can also incubate dreams and this has been shown to you know in about maybe more than half the time help is if you've got a particular problem or an issue that you want your subconscious to go to work on you write a question kind sort of a general question not too specific for your dreams um write it down at night and record all your dreams for the next couple of days and treat those as though they are a response and lots of times you'll get a sort of a creative answer, something relevant that you wouldn't have thought of in your sort of oh. normal waking way, so that's a good way to use dreams I, I,
0: I love that, instead of you've got a big question in life people will say meditate on it or ask around, it's ask your dreams and, and see what unfolds over the next couple of days, I like that so it's not a futile exercise to say, you say to a kid, sweet dreams, or Think about ice cream tomorrow or the big trip. So like that's actually not a futile exercise. Like there, there's something to that, like to set yourself going back to like setting your dreams up for success. That's not all window dressing.
1: Not at all. I mean, there's it's well documented that during sleep we we learn if we have learned a task and then we go to like, say, repeat it we will be 10 um, percent better at it after having slept now whether that's because of dreaming or just sleeping is it's hard to tease those apart but lots of people will inventors people that are creative will ask their dreams for solutions or go to bed thinking about something not having the answer going around in circles but wake up in the morning with oh now i know what i need to do about that some famous examples and like deirdre barrett wrote a book called one is called uh, the committee of sleep and uh, she talks about some of the inventions like the um, periodic table and Einstein's theory of relativity and uh, the Beatles song Yesterday are sort of famous examples that came from dreams. And they're usually problems that someone like I wouldn't necessarily come up with the theory of relativity in my dreams. But if I was Einstein and I'd been thinking about this for a long time and just didn't quite have the, the creative leap, the, the dreaming process is what brings that creative leap once you've got all of the the background information you need, and you've been wrestling with a problem, sleeping on it really is a thing. You do get you do get answers that, that come from some other sort of more outside the box kind of um, place.
0: So, what's the biggest misconception about dreaming, in your opinion?
1: Ooh, there's a few. I would say one of them is like a lot of people think that they don't dream. That's a big one. The people that don't recall their dreams, and really, it's a thing. It's a problem of dream recall, not dreaming. And the other big thing that people think is that dreams are kind of nonsensical, not useful, just really not worth paying attention to. I feel like people vastly devalue their dreams. And, you know, it really is just another form of, I would even call it thinking. It's another form of mental energy that that our brains, people before they had the brain imaging to see what was going on thought oh we fall asleep our mind is just quiet but in in rem sleep our brain is more active than when we're awake so there's a lot going on that we can tap into and so i feel like there's it's just another another form of creativity and mental activity that that gets wasted, or it doesn't get wasted, it still does its thing, but that it just, it's devalued, and people feel like it's just not a useful, a useful activity, and, and I've just found it to be so profoundly useful, and has helped me in, mostly, I would say, in the personal sort of emotional realms, where things that have really troubled me have really, I've made sense of them through dream work, I've been able to move forward through through situations that, I've worked with people that have been traumatized or have, have been grieving something deeply and not really able to recover from this grief and the dreaming has helped them tremendously. And so I feel like, yeah, people really are too quick to dismiss dreams as, as nonsense. And there's so much more than that. So
0: where's the future of dreaming is there any interesting science or research you're paying attention to that you think is going to potentially advance the conversation what is dreaming what does your work look like a couple years from now what's fascinating to you right now
1: wow um well there's a couple of avenues one of them that i'm really it's not necessarily my area of expertise but an area that's really gotten a lot of interest in 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 the dream circles is lucid dreaming and i think some of the movies like inception have really created a lot of interest in it but it is also something that you know it, it was discovered not that long ago it used to be thought well this isn't possible that you can have a wake be awake and dreaming at the same time so just that it's possible was discovered by la i think it was in the Sixties, I'm not sure the exact years and now there's just so many people that are training training You in way in methods that are more likely to help you wake up in your dreams and then using the dream state more Purposefully that way to wake up in your dreams means you can remember them means you might be able to Say instead of ending completing a nightmare giving it a new ending when you're awake You can do that when you're asleep and it can have more power in some ways when you can directly interact with your dream. so And for dream researchers, they're interested in lucid dreaming because they, they can't study dreaming directly. You can only wake someone up after the fact and say, what did you dream about? And they could be right or they could be wrong. I don't think we remember our dreams very accurately. So lucid dreaming is a way to kind of get at dreaming in real time, although... Even then, all they can do is ask them to move their eyes back and forth and signal that they're dreaming. They can't talk to you while they're dreaming because we're we're literally paralyzed while we're dreaming. I don't think many people realize this, but we actually can only move from the neck up when we're dreaming because our there's a chemical in our spine that gets basically paralyzes us from the neck down, so that we don't get up and enact our dreams. So. Sometimes people will wake up before this, and it's called sleep paralysis. So it's a terrifying feeling of being trapped in your body because you wake up, but you're still in the sleep paralysis of REM. So that's an interesting <laughs> fact.
0: What, what about sleepwalkers?
1: <laughs> yeah, so they're not. That's not necessarily REM sleep. That's a that's a parasomnia. They usually happen earlier in the night. So um, it's another phenomenon, but they're not in REM dreaming and. So they're not paralyzed yeah there's a few exceptions to it there's also sometimes when people's movement breaks through their REM sleep which isn't um always a good sign but for the most part yeah when we're dreaming we are literally immobilized
0: got it i used to sleepwalk like when i like a couple times when i was a kid a couple times to- like a couple times mm-hmm. in college but and then i just mm-hmm. stopped sleepwalk. i don't know what was but yeah
1: It's those kind of things more common in childhood and I don't quite know what happens there, but it's a different, it's a different phenomenon from dreaming.
0: And one other on that subject, my my true last question, something else kids (laughs) experience and then sometimes adults experience night terrors Mm -hmm. where they're like uncontrollable they're screaming or like shaking. They don't know what's going on. Like that happens. in I think kids more frequently and sometimes adults, can you just briefly got to touch on, we're, we're touching on everything. So yeah. I'd be remiss so, not to ask. That's
1: another parasomnia. It's not a dream. It's, it, and it is very common in ch- in children and mostly they grow out of it, but it happens in earlier in the night. So, so nightmares happen usually the second half of the night and night terrors are more like two after sleep onset. And there it's it seems like a physiological response that it's not related to dreaming, and there's no kids don't have any memory of it. they're they look like they're really terrified, but if you wake them up, they won't remember what just happened and they're they're in a really deep sleep. So in fact, it's probably better just to let them keep them safe, but don't you don't know, need to wake them up out of it because they'll just be kind of confused and disoriented. But it's not yeah. and people mistake them for nightmares because they can they can be um, Look very frightened and they could cry out in their sleep And I'm not sure what causes that but it's not a nightmare. It's a different thing again.
0: What about in adults?
1: In adults,
0: I, I know it's, it's less frequent but
1: Yeah, less frequent and still the same kind of a uh, parasomnia So I'm not sure what causes these that's like a, a different field of study from mine But they, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting things that can happen when you sleep. Like, I think it's related to sleepwalking, the sleep night terrors. They happen in the deep sleep cycle. So I'm not, I don't really understand it. I can just tell you it's not really a dream.
0: So we have to close in a positive note since I got Mm -hmm. on this, you know, we started (laughs) talking about night terrors. What is the most positive, transformative experience you've had personally or witnessed in working with a client through doing the work with dreams, what have you seen? Which you've just said, "Wow, this is incredible!" The power of working with one's dreams can be ex- transformative.
1: Oh my goodness, I have so many examples of that. I try not to you know speak too much about my client dreams unless I have their permission. So um, let me think about what I can tell you. I could tell you a personal experience of my own that I had this incredible dream when I was studying at Pacifica Graduate Institute for my master's of counseling. So I first was introduced to dream work there in doing it as a counselor. I, as part of it, went to see a Jungian analyst. And so part of that is working with dreams. And I had this amazing dream that was, it was about, well, I was born two months premature. I was very lucky to survive that and, and then I also had a, a near-death experience when I was 17 and I nearly drowned in this um, river really ra- in, in rapids and I got pulled under and I had a dream that that combined these two experiences that were both related by the fact that I nearly died and in, I, I had a I actually had a, a very profound experience when I nearly died when I was 17 I nearly drowned but I had a overall positive experience of it I would say in that I felt I felt like I, got, I was under there so long I felt like I that I didn't I lost the need to breathe I, I lost that desperate desperation for air and I was oh well okay I got to the place of what's next because I didn't really think I was going to survive it but I felt okay about it which was shocking to me at that age I just finished high school and I was going off to get on with my life and I was excited about that and so This was pretty much, I would say, one of the most profound experiences of my life. But I hadn't really processed it. So this dream tied together my my birth, where I nearly died, and then this experience. And the the image was of me as a baby in a a glass box floating down the river, being pulled in. And it was just a very symbolic way of representing all that. And I worked with this dream with my Jungian therapist. And I can just say that I felt quite transported by the work we did I felt like he I just felt like he entered into that space with me where I felt so alone and just just accompanied me and and I can feel it, it was more of a physical experience than something we talked about but I felt like something really shifted for me because those experiences left me feeling quite alone in the world that's how I felt just like there's just me this Gave me the sense of feeling accompanied, and it made some massive shifts for me in 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 realizing that there is help and there are ways to even re-enter these profound places and be met there. And I I can't I don't think I can articulate the power of it effectively, but I can just say that that piece of dream work was so profound for me. It's what made me things like that. I've had a few experiences like that. And I've had clients who've had experiences like that working with me that have been just, just deeply moving and that, that change you in ways that are, are have a ripple effect that would be hard to quantify. They're just so massive. And th- those are the kind of things that make me think dream work is essential in, and is part of my work. And that has a, a power to, to shift us in ways that You know, I don't know what else could do it, could do that because we have, they come from our, from really deep down, and they, they give an image for it that's so evocative. And then if you work with that, you just have a chance to really evolve beyond what that, what that situation brought you. And dreams seem to want that for us. They seem to have some, some sense of wanting to help us move forward. I I would say that they are, they don't always feel this way, but they are mostly more than benign. They're really helpful really
0: uh, trying to help us. Well said and thank you for sharing your remarkable story. I for one I'm gonna try to have better and more productive dreams than my being late for basketball practice or being unprepared I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this. I'm gonna have more productive, better uh, better dreams. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do the work. Leslie, thank you so much for all the work you do and thank you for sharing your incredible personal story with us.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's been my pleasure. I could talk about dreams uh, (laughs) for as long as you want. So this has been just a treat for me. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Mm